Good morning. Uh, it is great to be with you this morning, and I feel that as I start, I need to say something. As I was coming down here this morning, um, someone bumped into me, and they spilt water on my pants. I don't know what the light looks like, but this is, this is just water on my pants. I promise you it's just water on my pants. Don't want you to be distracted while I'm talking to you this morning. It is a thrill to be down here today and, and to uh, offer what I sort of euphemistically call a, a state of the congregation sermon. About once a year, I like to slip something into the congregation uh, to make sure that we all kind of are thinking along the same lines and we're seeing some of the same things that God is doing among us. Because we just tend to know what we tend to know. We tend to know our little slice of life. And particularly as your pastors here at Wesley Memorial, we're so blessed that we get to see um, a, a larger picture of what God is doing here in our church family. And we are in, an, uh, in a remarkable, remarkable place. Because this is the place where Jesus happens. This is a place where people find the power of the Spirit for worship and for the transformation of their lives. And... We live in great gratitude around here, those of us that get to see the full picture. Last week, we were here celebrating the Lord's resurrection. We celebrated the, the great good news of Jesus returning from the grave to be in continual relationship with us, to fill us with resurrection life. Last Sunday was an amazing Sunday in so many ways. Uh, Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday was evidence to all of us on the staff here that people are making their way back following uh, the pandemic. As, as grateful as I am for all the technology that we use to change the world around us with the gospel of Jesus Christ, as Clark was saying a few moments ago, this act of gathering in worship is central to who we are as Christ followers in the world. So it's important that we come together. The technology helps us get the word out in a greater way, but it's important that we come together. And I'm so grateful that you are here today. One of the reasons I want to talk about uh, the state of the congregation and perhaps our vision for the years to come is because I knew that today the faithful would be present. You may not know this, but uh, today, this Sunday, is one of the two worst attended Sundays in the life of the Christian community. <laughs> there are a whole lot of people in the body of Christ, and I love them, I'm grateful for them, but they can't go to church two weeks in a row. <laughs> so they were here last week. Uh, they're not here this week. So that's why the Sunday after Easter, the Sunday after Christmas are the two worst attended Sundays uh, in the year. And I knew I would have the, the really faithful folk here today, and I'm so grateful for you. And I do want to share a little bit about what God's doing in our midst. When we celebrated Easter last week, one of the things we remind ourselves every Easter is that the resurrection of Jesus is not just a historical event. It certainly was a historical event. But we live in the continuing reality of the ongoing Easter event. Uh, the power of Jesus to change lives is an ongoing reality. For us, Easter is not just simply a day on the calendar. It's, it's a way of life. 
It's a way of spirituality. And we, we continue to do the journey with Jesus as he continues to fill us with his resurrection life. And it's because God delights in doing new things, fresh things, new fresh things that are of eternal significance. Now, I know for some of us, for some of us, we, we get nervous when we hear even the two words, new things. We don't like change, and God is a God of constant change. Uh, constantly, we're changing. The world around us is changing. As has been said, we, we cannot step in the, into the same flowing stream twice because it's constantly changing. And uh, some of my family's here today, and they can tell you I'm one of the worst when it comes to embracing change. But I've learned over my life thus far that if, if I'm going to embrace what God is doing into my, in my life, I need to be open to the new things that God is doing in my life. Uh, they know that I have a hard time with that. This past week, uh, we went to see Hamilton. Have you seen Hamilton? Uh, it's really worth going to see. It, we went to see Hamilton, and uh, that was the Christmas gifts we gave to our children and their spouses. They seemed to enjoy the fact so much that they got me there, and Dad had to listen to rap music. <laughs> but hey, I can embrace some of the new things that's, that's coming into our lives because God delights to do new things. God's always doing something new in our life. The text that I want to share with you this morning comes from the prophecy of Isaiah. And you may know that the prophecy of Isaiah frequently is referred to as the fifth gospel uh, because we find so much good news in Isaiah. Particularly from chapter 40 to the end of Isaiah, we find so much good news. We find so much prophecy about the coming of Jesus and um, here in chapter 43 of Isaiah, just a few, few verses where uh, Isaiah is talking about the new things that God is doing in our lives. So Isaiah chapter 43, I'll begin reading at verse 18. God, through Isaiah, says, Do not remember the former things or consider the things of old. I am about to do a new thing, God says. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? And hear this promise, I will make a way in the wilderness and a river in the desert. God's promising that he can make a way when they, there seems to be no way. He can bring refreshment to us even in the midst of a wilderness. That's part of the new things that God is always doing. And then in verse 20 uh, through 21, you see the response of creation. As God does the new thing, the wild animals will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, for I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, so that they might declare my praise. Friends, would you pray with me? God, may we never hinder your work in our lives. May we never hinder your work in the lives of others. May we always be open and receptive to the good things that you have for us. May we never be frightened by the journey because we know your promises. And God, even when the journey becomes hard, remind us of your promises. 
You make a way in the wilderness. You make a way when there is no way. You even bring streams, water, rivers of living life, even in the desert. So God, may your promises be more real to us than any of even the hard situations in life. And because of that, we trust you. Take the trust we have and increase it. Help us to truly live Christ-centered lives every day, every moment of our living. God, you have a word for each one of us this morning, and we pray that you'll give each one of us ears to hear what you're saying to us. In the powerful name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. So, last week we talked about the, the great good news of the resurrection of Jesus. I want to talk for a few moments about the good news of what God is doing here in the midst of us as a fellowship at Wesley Memorial Church. Uh, we are blessed in so many, many ways. We've gone through the pandemic. I hope we're coming out, completely coming out of the pandemic. But even in the days of the pandemic, we saw the goodness of God in remarkable, remarkable ways. God continues to favor our work here because I believe we're staying focused on the main thing. We're staying focused on the mission of the Christian community. We're refusing to be distracted by things in life that would pull us away from our Christ-centered visions of what it means to be the church. And for those reasons, I think the Spirit is blessing us. The Spirit is favoring us. You know, across the West today, Western Europe, the United States, Canada, I'd throw Australia and New Zealand in the mix, the Christian community is experiencing great, great decline. It's happening all around us. Uh, the, the Christian community is growing tremendously in south of the equator, uh, in Africa and Latin America and Asia. But in, in the old Christendom, in the West, the Christian community, at least numerically, has fallen on hard times. So I give thanks just for the sheer numbers of people that God is bringing to see what, what he's doing here in our fellowship. You know, during the, during the season of the pandemic, we were favored enough by God to receive 39 new members into the life of our congregation. Do you know how many churches around us, they haven't received 39 new members in 50 years. But God's favoring us. You may or you may not know that in the last few years, uh, we, we have, I think, turned around about a decade of a major numeric decline here at Wesley Memorial Church. Just a few years ago, uh, back when I was serving as a district superintendent, we were, we were talking about some of you folks. We were talking about Wesley Memorial Church because when I was serving as a district superintendent, we were noticing that this congregation had gone from averaging almost 800 in worship every Sunday morning down to under 400. And that was a significant decline. Don't know what you were noticing here, because I know there's different various worship services, but we were noticing that, that decline that had been happening for about a decade. And it's been wonderful to work how God, to watch how God's working here. We have, we have pretty much turned that around. In the, in the 
period before the pandemic, in the period before the pandemic, we had grown our worship attendance by about 200 in the right direction. And uh, numbers aren't everything, but like, like the Apostle Luke in the book of Acts, he recorded numbers. Numbers say something. That's why Acts records numbers. That's why we pay some attention to numbers. But, you know, in the period, in the couple years before the pandemic, we grew by about 200 people in worship. And for me and Clark and the staff, when we looked at Palm Sunday, when we looked at Easter Sunday, what, what we think we, we're seeing, we've been seeing for a while, is the people coming back for in-person worship. We have extended our footprint, our influence for Jesus Christ in remarkable ways through technology. I don't know why people are listening to my Bible studies in Belgium. I'm glad they're listening to my Bible studies in Belgium. We have, we have, we have extended our influence in remarkable ways, but it's such a joy to see people coming back to worship in person because worship is so central to who we are. I think one of the reasons God has been favoring our congregation, giving new life to our congregation, allowing this to be a place where the spirit of Jesus Christ resides and changed lives is because of our focus. And you may not know, but several years ago, a few years before um, Clark or I were here, uh, some of your great leadership got together and they began looking at uh, the future of this congregation. They began trying to dream God's dream for this congregation. And out of that process, with those remarkable people, came some remarkable things. Uh, they, they, for instance, worked on the governance that we have here to make sure that we're more flexible, more nimble to address the um, uh, changes of this present age. But also during that period when they were dreaming God's dream for us here at Wesley Memorial, trying, trying to discern what God's dream was for us here at Wesley Memorial, one of the things they came up with was a list of four spiritual practices that are at the core of who we are here. And I know particularly before the pandemic, I, I, I'd sort of jokingly said to a lot of people that, um, you know, I may stop, start stopping you in the hallway and ask you to tell me what those four practices are. I sort of let that go a little bit during the pandemic, but uh, I may start it back. So I hope you know what those four basic spiritual practices are that form and inform our life here at Wesley Memorial. I hope that you um, know those well because we're talking about adding a fifth. And as we talk about adding a fifth, you need to make sure you know the four. Uh, so there's four spiritual practices that have guided us for the last few years are worship, prayer, small groups, and hands-on mission. Worship is central to everything we do. Worship is not focused on the audience unless you realize the audience is God. Worship is focused on God. We don't focus on our needs in worship. Now, our highest good is met when we adequately and appropriately worship. But we focus on God. We don't come to worship so we are blessed. We come to worship to bless God. But in blessing God, we, we get blessed because we were created to be worship, worshipers. Worship is central to who we are. It's the most important thing we do because everything that will ever be or do flows out of that worshipful connection 
with the living Christ. So worship is central to who we are. That's why it's exciting to be in this season as more and more people are coming back to in-person corporate worship. It's so central to being a Christ follower. Worship is important. We have three different worship services on Sunday morning. Uh, we, we, we know that the gospel of Jesus Christ, the word of God, does not change. But the way you package the gospel, the word of God, for any given age changes. That's why on a, on a given Sunday morning, you can come to Weston Memorial Church. You can hear some of the best in contemporary worship music. And you can hear some of the best in Gregorian chant up in the sanctuary. Because God has given us such a rich worship history for the last 2,000 years. And we don't want any of that to be lost. We want to be able to bathe in the complete riches of God's grace in regards to what God has given us to help us be a worshipful people. Uh, Holy Week was amazing. Very traditional worship in a lot of ways, but Holy Week was amazing. Worship is central to who we are. We worship three different times uh, every Sunday morning. We worship on Wednesdays at 5.30. And particularly on Wednesdays at 5.30, we are, we are focused on prayer during our Vesper service on Wednesday in the chapel. After worship, number two is prayer. The second spiritual practice that is the core of who we are, prayer. Prayer, we know, is central to who we are. It empowers us to do what God is calling us to do. That's why we gather for prayer every Wednesday to pray over the needs of this congregation, specifically to seek healing. We anoint with oil one for another as we seek healing for one another and for others. We, we know that prayer is central. Tomorrow, we'll be hosting another one of our, our very popular Wesley Memorial worship, not worship, prayer workshops. Uh, it's, it's, it's an amazing event. If you've never been part of one of our prayer workshops, it, it, it is a lot of fun. Uh, tomorrow it starts at 11.30 with a, a light lunch, and then we have two hours of training in regards to prayer. We'll repeat it again at 5.30, a light dinner, and then um, two hours of training. Um, since we're feeding you, um, I'm sure we'll have a lot of food. Just show up, but if you don't get fed, I'll give you my food. But just come... Just come for the training sessions. In the two-hour period, you'll have three classes. You know, pardon me for giving you this analogy. Our prayer workshops feel a little bit to me, not that I really know anything about this, but it feels a little bit to me what I think speed dating would feel like. Three of us teach. Tomorrow we're going to be talking about intercessory prayer. We're going to be talking about uh, praying the scriptures. We're going to be talking about praying the labyrinth. And we'll be talking about that and giving you practical tools to help you make some of those practices central in your life. And we'll do that in 30-minute chunks. But it's all because we started that a few years back because of prayer being on this list of basic spiritual practices for us. So there's worship, there's prayer, there's small groups. You know, I like to say that it was Mr. Wesley. John Wesley in the 18th century that uh, re resurrected the importance of small groups for Christ followers. But actually it came from Jesus, the 12. I hope that you're in some small group somewhere where somebody can look at you on a regular basis and say, how, how goes it with your soul? 
There's somebody in your life that can hold you accountable. There's somebody in your life that can ask you the tough questions. There's somebody in your life that can bring the Word of God to, to objectively bear on your life. And I've been doing this a long time. I'm not old yet. I'm a long way from being old. But I preached my first sermon on the first Sunday of Advent in 1980. I was 19 years old, so you can do the math. I did my first sermon, first Sunday of Advent, November 1980. So I've been doing this a long time, and over the course of my ministry, I've noticed that the statistics are true. You know, the, the number of pastors that drop away from ministry after the first decade is, is really alarming. Uh, a lot of people don't make it through their first decade in ministry. I'm I'm well into my fourth decade, I think, of ministry. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Support of my family, the wonderful congregations around me. But one of the things I give credit for this longevity, I've got a lot longer to go, but for this longevity, is I've always stayed part of a small group where I had some brothers in Christ who could hold me accountable and ask me the hard questions and ask me how goes it with my soul. We have lots of small groups here in our congregation, journey groups, unity groups, reunion groups. Some Sunday school classes function like this. I'm thrilled for what you do here after the, the 945 service when some of you stay and you meet with your small group. We've got to have these small, gracious accountability groups if we want to go deeper with each other and especially if we want to go deeper with, with, with Jesus Christ. So worship. Prayer, small groups, hands-on mission. You learned a lot about our emphasis on hands-on mission during the Lenten season. You heard from a lot of agencies, a lot of ministry groups, a lot of mission groups here in town. The people with whom we partner, and we're partners with so many groups here in town because we're trying to work to transform this community with the love of Jesus Christ. That's why we're partnering with all these community uh, organizations, and we pray that each one of you will find ways to be involved in the community. For me personally, I do some of that through Rotary. I do some of that by being on the board of the community clinic here in High Point. If you don't know about Rotary and the good they do in the world, if you don't know about the community clinic here in High Point and the good they do, uh, give me about an hour one day. I'd love to tell you about those. But we have people in almost all of those agencies that you heard from serving through those ministries uh, that you heard from during Lent uh, because we, we don't want to just support other people doing ministry and mission. We believe in hands-on mission. We need to be out there as the hands and feet of Christ. We need to be supporting others in doing it, and we need to be doing it ourselves. Um, uh, uh, Palm Sunday, you brought in over 300 bags of groceries so that we could bless a simple gesture, so that they could bless 10, count them, 10 food pantries here in High Point. Um, every year we gather in the dining hall with the ministry of Rise Against Hunger, and we package over 30,000 meals that go out of our country to places of great need. Uh, the list could go on and on and on. We have a great mission team committee here in the church that leads us in remarkable ways to make sure we're involved, not just supporting others doing ministry, but that we're involved in hands-on mission. So there's the four that we adopted that have helped us stay focused, and I think it's because of our focus that Christ is blessing us. There's worship, there's prayer, there's small group, there's hands-on 
mission. We're talking about a fourth one because I think as we have lived with this now for several years, we realize that there's one that is, is, is missing. It happens. It happens throughout the other four, but we need to be intentional about focusing on maybe a fifth spiritual practice. Uh, we can call it outreach. We can call it... Um, we can call it what some Methodists say is the E word, evangelism. We need to give that cup of cold water, hands on mission. We need to give that cup of cold water to those in need. But we need to make sure they know we're giving it in the name of Jesus Christ. That's why we're doing it. So we need to make sure that we not only do the work of Jesus, that that we also can name the name of Jesus when we do it. This age in which we find ourselves desperately needs that. A lot of people doing remarkable work um, helping the needs of the human family in this world. We need to make sure they know why we're doing it. We need to be able to name the name of Jesus. You know, we have about 2,200 professing members here, part of the Weston Memorial family. Just think for a moment what it would look like, those 2,200, really all of them involved in hands-on mission. Those 2,200 all involved doing the E word, evangelism. It always saddens me how many Christians have never experienced the joy of leading someone else to Jesus Christ. Never experienced the joy of helping someone else find the fullness of life there, that is theirs in Jesus Christ. I think because we focus on these things, um, God is blessing us. Here at Western Memorial Church, we want to help each other become the best that God can help us to be. Now, over the last few years, with the new people coming in, um, new things happening, new staff among us, you know, there, there are people who have said things like, well, there's a new ethos in that church. There's a new spirit in that church. And um, I'm not sure what they always mean by that, but I'm grateful for that. God is always doing something new. So our culture is always changing. Our ethos is always changing. I'm very grateful, and I don't say this um, often, uh, probably should say it more often. I'm very grateful for our partnership with High Point University. You know, I'm watching, that's one of the only Methodist schools out there that God is blessing in a remarkable way. You know the story over at High Point University. Gone from um, 1,400 to almost 6,000 students, 100 new buildings, either built or renovated in the last decade or so. And I think the reason God is favoring them is because of their focus. You can't hang out on that campus without learning they're a God family country university. And uh, you can't hang out on that campus without knowing that that's central to who they are. So I'm grateful for our connection with them. Now, you want, you want to look at a place where the ethos has changed? Look at High Point University. So God is constantly changing, new, doing new things in our midst. Uh, we at Weston Memorial, we're part of that historic stream of Christianity, as the people called Methodists. We are focused on... Being Christ-centered, we're focused on Scripture. John Wesley said he was a man of one book. He read lots of books, but none of them, um, none of them compared to the book, the Bible. John Wesley said he borrowed it from somebody else. When you cut a Methodist, their blood should be bibline. 
we should bleed Bible when you cut us. And it's that attention to Scripture as part of the historic stream of the Christian community that allows us to be formed in the image of Christ. We're being formed in some image every day, every moment. Now, the world around us will form us into its image. One of the reasons Christendom has fallen on hard times in the West is so many people, even within the Christian community, don't esteem Scripture the way we've had for 2,000 years, and they're allowing pop culture to form them more than Scripture and the tradition of the church, and they are allowing, they're allowing the world around them to determine and create their worldview. We used to be in a culture where even people outside the church held a Christian worldview. Think about Christian morality. We're in a strange position here in the West. Even people within the church of Jesus Christ now don't always have a Christian worldview. Sometimes this worldview formed more by the world around them. Here at Weston Memorial Church, we're not the Democratic Party at prayer. We're not the Republican Party at prayer. We are the, if you get me, you get Latin sometime. We are the tertium quid. We're the third way in this culture. Whatever you see the other options are in culture, we're the other option. We're to be the unique, different, distinctive people of Jesus Christ. And that's why we've got to live in such a way we let him form us, him form our worldviews, and not the world around us. Because the world is trying hard to form us and our children and our grandchildren. And we've got to be very intentional about letting Christ and the word of Christ form us. We want to do this together. We want to live excellently. We want to find success. We want to prosper. But all of those terms need to be defined as Jesus Christ defines them. And that's what we learn from Scripture. How does Jesus Christ define success and excellence and prospering as a human being? Now, the world around you would love to define those terms for us. But we have to allow Christ, the Christian tradition, the Word of God to define those terms for us. What does it look like to live a flourishing human life? The world around us has their answer. We've got another answer. So I'm so grateful for you. We're on this journey together. Together we are growing as Christ followers. Together we're changing high point. And we're changing the world beyond high point. So I'm so grateful for you. I'm grateful for what happens when you gather for worship. And I want to pray for you right now. I want to pray for us right now that this will be one of those moments that will continue to help define us as a congregation. Would you pray with me? God, we're here this morning because we want to live faithfully as your servants. We want to be your people. We want the world around us to know that Jesus Christ is Lord of this church because he's Lord of our lives. We want to open our hearts more to you than we've ever opened our hearts to you before. We want to open our lives to you more than we've ever opened our lives to you before. Give us the grace and the courage to live as your distinctive, peculiar, different people here in this world. Give us kingdom values in all that we do. 
the powerful name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.